Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. It's Ham Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Ham Talk Live, episode number one. Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD, recorded on Thursday, February 18th, 2016. And I am the aforementioned host, Neil Rapp. My call is WB9VPG. And I want to thank you for tuning in to the first episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight on the show, you'll have your chance to uh, get to know me a little bit better. And then my good friend, Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD, will join us. Scott's a well-known contester, and he's been on several D expeditions. So he will join us, and we'll talk about his experiences with ham radio. And during the last part of the show, we'll be taking your calls live. One of the things we want to do with the show is hear from you, the listener. So... Um, some nights we're going to just, uh, ask some questions of our special guest and get to know the people in our hobby and service. But as the show grows, we hope to have some nights where we just take some calls and talk about the latest happenings in ham radio. We have some fabulous guests lined up for the next few weeks. And as we get closer to the Dayton Hamvention, uh, we will have a preview of some of the activities there. And I uh, do want to mention uh, one uh, breaking news item. I uh, did see a notice that uh, W1AW was off the air today. So if you missed W1AW bulletins and code practice, that kind of thing, um, due to un- some unforeseen circumstances, uh, they were off the air, but uh, they'll be back on tomorrow. So I uh, wanted to pass that along in case you didn't know that. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Ham Talk Live. I want to take a few minutes just uh, to let you get to know me in case you don't already, so you have an idea of some of the things we may be talking about on the show. Uh, I don't want to take too much time. If you listen to the demo episode um, on the website, uh, that tells a whole lot more about me and, and how I got into ham radio and that kind of thing. Um, it's on hamtalklive.com if you want to know more about that. But uh, the short version is that uh, I became a ham when I was five years old and at the time was the uh, youngest ham in the world. And I upgraded to technician class at six, general at seven, advanced at nine, and extra at 18. And so ham radio has been a part of just about all of my life that I remember. Um, I became interested in repeaters. 
and started helping uh, operate a uh, repeater network, the Ears Wide Area Repeater Network. And uh, one of the things I've been involved with most is teaching young people. I teach high school chemistry at Bloomington High School South in Bloomington, Indiana. I'm the amateur radio club sponsor there, and we have a great club uh, thanks to some great students, great parents, and some donors and sponsors. So if you've helped us along the way, we want to say thanks uh, for all of that. Um, at the club, we do some contesting. That's uh, one of the things that we're going to talk about a little bit tonight with uh, Scott. And uh, we also do some fox hunting, some uh, project building, and just learning about uh, what RST is and what universal time is and, and those kinds of things uh, to make people aware of, of ham radio. So um, personally, I, I enjoy FM. Uh, I like uh, some of the VHF and UHF stuff and uh, APRS. I also enjoy HF and DXing and contesting and, and some PSK31. Um, I can do CW, uh, but it's been a long time since I've really used it. Um, I did pass my 20 words a minute code uh, for my extra, and I still remember it and still teach it a little bit, um, but um, just haven't haven't made use of it in a while. So if you have any questions about any of those things, I'll do my best to answer those, but uh, perhaps the best thing I can do is point you to the right person to ask. Um being in ham radio for this long and uh, and uh, some of the the fame that I had at an early age anyway I've uh, been uh, pretty blessed to know many knowledgeable and helpful hams over the years and tonight's guest is no exception uh, Dr. Scott Wright K0MD from Rochester Minnesota is our guest this evening Scott works for the Mayo Clinic uh, he teaches cardiology with them and uh, that often takes him abroad, where his ham radio can go with him. Scott is an excellent contester. He's been on some de-expeditions. And Scott and I met when we were kids. Um, we went to the FCC test session in Louisville, Kentucky. Back in those days, you had to take all your exams from an FCC examiner. And so they would travel uh, a few times a year. They would go to different federal buildings uh, around the country, and uh, Louisville, Kentucky was the closest one uh, for me, and so we went down there quite a few times uh, to take tests, and, and Scott was down there too, and I'll let him tell that story. I was only seven at the time, so he remembers it a lot better than I do, uh, but I wanted Scott to be the first guest on the show because uh, Scott's done a lot in, in just recent years especially to uh, motivate and support the uh, school club efforts, uh, but also because we do have uh, a long history and uh, thought that might uh, make it a little easier for you to uh, get to know where I'm coming from uh, with the show. So uh, with that, uh, Scott, welcome to Ham Talk Live. Thank you very much, Neil. It's a pleasure to join you and it's an honor to be your first guest. And congratulations on launching a new program. This is a Tremendous thing, and I'm glad to see that you've done it. And it, we've both come a long way since we met at the FCC office in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, many years ago, taking our general class examinations. I remember it, though, like it was just just a few days ago and meeting you there as well. Uh, and it was great to reconnect at Dayton now about eight or nine years ago and to see each other again. Uh, 
You know, I remember I, this was the third time I had taken the general exam. Uh, Neil, I don't know about you, but it took me three tries, and I passed it on the third try. Uh, and uh, I remember meeting you because you were a very friendly little guy. You came up and introduced yourself and handed me a QSL card that introduced yourself as the world's youngest ham. And uh, I was quite impressed that all you had done because you got licensed at age five, as I recall, and I got licensed right around age 12 or 13. So if you were you were seven, then I must have been 14 or 15 taking the exam that day. Uh, and uh, it was always, about intimidating, right. always intimidating to go to the FCC office, wasn't it? The, uh, it was I, it's much easier now. Yeah, what I remember was that this really tall guy with blonde hair that always wore this white business shirt and never cracked a smile. Never. <laughs> and I, I'd taken tests in Indianapolis a couple of times, but mostly at Louisville. And, and I too took three tries on my um, general class. So we had the exact same number, but he, he just didn't crack a smile. And he he was pretty intimidating, <laughs> to be honest. And after a while, which I was going with my mom and dad, they were getting upgrades and, and licenses at the same time. My mom got her license a year later, and, and dad and I were working on upgrades. Uh, we actually ran into the guy in the basement of the federal building. We would go and eat breakfast down in the basement of, of this federal building. And he came down to grab something to eat real quick. And he came over and said, aren't you guys the rap family? And I was like, yeah. He said, yeah, I remember, you know, giving you tests and everything. So, so this really intimidating guy that we were scared to death of, uh, you know, was really friendly. And, and we got to know him. Uh, his name was Jerry. Uh, and, and we got to know him and after a while he kind of started playing around whenever I would pass, he would hide the paperwork cause he knew I was sitting there watching, waiting for, you know, to see if I passed or not. And so he'd play a tick, you know, a trick on me and say, well, you know, gee, I'm really sorry, but, uh, you passed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so uh, I actually was able to call on him for some help with some some QRM we had uh, going on, and I was actually able to, to call him, and, and anything I needed, man, I, I tell you what, I gave Jerry a call, and he was on it. He he, he knew exactly what to do and, and knew who he was dealing with, and uh, so we got to see a side of, uh, of Jerry that... Uh, a lot of people didn't get to see, but uh, I suspect it was the same guy uh, there that you had. I think that's right. And I had come up about three and a half hours from southern Kentucky, where I live, to take this exam because I'd been to Knoxville, Tennessee twice. And uh, my parents did not bring me that day. Uh, they had taken me the previous two times, but a retired pharmacist in my hometown had decided to get his license. His son, who was a pharmacist uh, as well, was licensed, had gotten me interested in the hobby. And uh, so Mr. Burgess was his name. And his daughter-in-law, the wife of uh, his son, the pharmacist who uh, was a ham, had driven the both of us up to Louisville. And I distinctly remember getting home that evening and my mother came to pick me up, and she asked Mr. Burgess, how did it go? And he said, well, 
It must not have been too hard because Scott and another little boy passed and I failed. <laughs> and uh, he did, 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 just didn't realize how how much, uh, I guess, we had studied for it, Neil, and uh, taken it a few times. And uh, I don't know if he ever upgraded his license after that. Oh, uh, really? I, I didn't know that. Uh, he uh, His son is still on the air, WA4OJT, Jim Burgess, now in somewhere in Florida, southwest Florida. And Jim and I stay in touch on email. Uh, and his father has, has subsequently passed away. But uh, he uh, that was a memorable time. And, uh, I, you know, for those who don't, remember those days or never had them you know we had to first take the morse code and it was 13 words a minute and you had to pass that and if you passed it good you could go on to take the written and if you didn't pass it you were done and even if you failed the written you did not get credit for passing the code you had to take it each time so you probably remember like i working to keep your code speed up and to make sure that it was faster than the 13 words per minute so that you would have no trouble passing it because as I recall, in those days, they didn't always have headphones for us to use. I remember one testing session where they just played a cassette recorder, and if the speaker was loud enough, you heard it, and if it wasn't, you didn't. Yeah. Yeah, and some of those headphones uh, that they did have were were not high quality. <laughs> no. No. And, of course, this is a totally different era than we are today. Uh and uh, those those were the days. Those were those were tough days to get to. And uh, but uh, like like you, and, and to think about it, for for two young guys who had never had algebra or physics, the general class exam was pretty tough. And uh, you know, uh, I, I marvel now that we were able to pass it at that age without ever ever having had any high school physics or algebra. I remember in high school. Uh, when I took algebra, that I finally understood Ohm's law because if E equals IR, then E divided by I equals R. I had never understood why that was the case taking the exam until I had algebra. Then it made total sense. Yeah, I was the same way, and and it made um, it made chemistry and and which I ended up going into and and physics a lot uh, a lot easier because I knew what mega and kilo were, and I, you know I'd already. Uh, learn, you know, how to do uh, E equals IR just with a calculator. And um, so it, it really helped me um, be more confident of what I was doing in school. The same for me. The same for me. And, of course, it opened the world for me. Uh, I tell people today, uh, young physicians that I have uh, who are training with me, you know, when I grew up, we didn't have the Internet. Uh, I grew up in Appalachia, uh, and you grew up in a very rural part of, of southwest Indiana, as I recall. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have a lot of act- outside activities, and ham radio opened the world up uh, for me and probably did for you. And I'm grateful for that. I met some really neat people. I remember one contact when I was a teenager. Uh, I was on the 15 meters or 20 meters one afternoon, likely 15, talking to a guy named Tom who had a very funny call sign, Victor Papa 8, I believe, VP8TC, as I recall, um, or maybe VP6TC, I forget uh, his call now. It was Tom Christensen from Pitcairn Island. And uh, my dad passed through my bedroom uh, and heard me talk to him, and Tom had mentioned he was on the Pitcairn Island, and so my dad pulled up a chair and sat down and listened to the rest of the contact. 
And then he started asking me to ask Tom questions. And uh, I did and didn't really follow the line of thought or questioning that my dad was pursuing. And uh, when I got off the radio, my dad said, you don't recognize who you just spoke to. He's a celebrity. I said, really? And he explained to me about uh, Mutiny on the Bounty and Fletcher Christian, Tom's father, and and all that had happened, and uh, and then uh, all that Tom had done and was doing in the Pitcairn Island. And uh, I'm sure you, like I, found in the 70s and early 80s that ham radio opened the world, and uh, it made the world a much different place. And, of course, today I've traveled to nearly all the continents of the world, and I still find that ham radio is one of the unifying forces that uh, allows us to cross cultures and backgrounds and all kinds of uh, demographic criteria to just have a connection and a bond with people that we meet who otherwise would be total strangers. It's been great for my career and it's been great for and for opening doors when I travel travel the world. You know, Neil, one of the most enjoyable times I had uh, with the hobby was in 2007, I was invited to speak in Beijing by the People's Republic of China as part of a delegation from the Mayo Clinic to talk about health care, the future, health care reform, things like that. And uh, I had asked if I could get a radio license, and they helped arrange for me to get a radio license in China. And I was able to operate with B1 Zulu, B1Z, the uh, Beijing Amateur Radio Club, uh, and do the CQ World, CQ WPX sideband contest, uh, not sideband, CW contest in May of 2007. And uh, it was really neat to meet the hams who had just been to Scarborough Reef, two or three of the Chinese hams who had been, and to see them and to see their club and to see what a station they had. And I subsequently wrote a nice article for DX Magazine about that. And uh, last year at Dayton, Fan Bin, uh, Bravo Alpha One Radio Bravo, came to Dayton and I was able to host him and two others from, from China, the PRC, at Dayton at the DX dinner and to return the hospitality. And uh, it, it sure makes the world a much smaller place when you have a hobby that connects you with people you would never have the opportunity to meet and enjoy uh, developing a friendship with. Absolutely. That's, that's some uh, some great things, and I've, I've met a lot of great people along the way, and and that's uh, a, a great thing that, that Ham Radio has done. Uh I want to mention to the listeners here, we had originally had planned for a 30-minute show, and uh, just today we, we switched that to 45 minutes, and it looks like that was a wise decision. So uh, we will be uh, here for about another 25 minutes or so, uh, but we need to take a break. Uh, it's time to pay a few bills here on the show, uh, but we'll be back, and uh, we'll talk some more. And then in the final segment, we'll take your calls with Dr. Scott Wright, uh, K0MD, right after this word from one of our sponsors, Tower Electronics, right here on Ham Talk Live. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics has been the Ham's dime store since 1978, bringing connectors, antennas, cables, and other parts to the world. Scott and Jill travel the country bringing their store to you at HamFest, but you can also order online at pl-259.com or by calling 920-435-2973. Stock up on those supplies like PL-259 and end connectors, audio cables, mobile antennas, and hamsticks. Their silver-plated end connectors are even in use on the International Space Station. 
Tower Electronics is a dealer for MFJ, Comet, Daiwa, OPEC, Workman, and HamPro Technologies. Tower Electronics, online at pl-259.com, proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. Oh yeah, you're talking ham radio, baby. You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. And welcome back to Ham Talk Live. We'd like to thank Scott and Jill over at Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show tonight. And uh, that way we can bring you Ham Talk Live each Thursday night. Uh, Be sure to listen every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here on HamTalkLive.com. Also check out our Facebook page and our Twitter feed to search for Ham Talk Live. Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD, has been kind enough to join us on our first show this evening. And we were talking about uh, some of the DXing in uh, China. And uh, why don't you tell us about uh, some of your work in in Chile and and the um, recent trip down to Turks and Caicos. Thanks, Neil. I'd be delighted to. In 1999, I made my first trip to Chile uh, having met a cardiologist from Chile the year before in Ecuador when I was speaking at a conference. I'd never been to Chile and uh, had never really been into that part of Latin America, so to speak. But uh, it was a September day and I went down for a week and uh, we became quite good friends and decided to uh, continue to try to bring speakers from North America, including myself, down. And uh, over the last... Uh, 15, 16, 17 years now, I've made about 30 trips between uh, Minnesota and Chile uh, and uh, have developed a lot of really good friendships. In 2007 or so, I decided to really try to combine ham radio uh, with some of my business travel because I would end up uh, being in Chile and having uh, you know some, some afternoons and evenings with several hours of free time and uh, so uh, I bought a, a vertical dipole from uh, Force 12. The N6 Bravo Tango has designed a number of really compact antennas that cover 40 through 10 meters that radiate very efficiently. And I had an ICOM 7000 radio that was fairly uh, lightweight. So I could pack the radio and power supply and antenna tuner in my briefcase, put the uh, antenna and some coaxial cable in a golf bag, like a golf club bag, and would check it on the airline and... Uh, have operated from two hotels there. And several years later, one of my children at, at that time was doing a science fair project and needed an idea about a science fair project. And I said, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you consider uh, doing some computer modeling uh, to see what countries I should be able to work during the CQ Worldwide CW contest because I was going down for a November meeting. And then let's get on the air and work the contest and just see how many countries I can work, you know, uh, observe to expect it, so to speak, and uh, whether the propagation models are effective or not. And she said, no, that's really not that interesting to me, Dad. I don't want to do it, uh, but thanks anyway. And then about three weeks later, she said, uh, you know, I mentioned your idea to some, some guys at school, and they think it's a pretty cool idea, and they really want to come with you to do this as a project. So do you mind if I come? Uh, and I'll, I'll do this as a project. I can't think of anything else. And I said, no, I don't mind. We'll do it. 
So she and I left uh, one Thanksgiving day, much to my wife's chagrin, and we flew to Chile for this conference, which would begin on a Saturday. And the hotel actually uh, set my antenna up on the roof. Uh, it's kind of funny because in Chile there are no uh, roof, there are no um, stairwells up to the roof of hotels. You have to uh, actually climb from the top floor up. And so the hotel has, since uh, 2008 or nine, has been providing uh, service individuals to just put my antenna up for me. And we did the contest, and uh, she did very well in the science fair with her poster. She did a nice poster and won the regional science fair uh, in southern Minnesota with that idea. And uh, on the last day that I was there operating, I met a ham on the air from Uruguay, and I said, you know, I'm coming to Uruguay day after tomorrow. I'm going to speak there at a meeting. And he said, are you? So I actually went to his home on the way from the airport to the hotel in Uruguay, and chatted and operated with him a little bit and got to know him, and we became good friends. And uh, he's an American expat, retired airline pilot, who now uh, was living in uh, Montevideo, uh, Uruguay. But since then, I've had the yearn to contest, and so I've done several CQ Worldwide contests from Chile. Uh, in 2015, I was able to operate from North America on Friday night from the contest. I flew to Chile on Saturday night, and then Sunday afternoon, I spent the last four hours of the contest operating uh, at CE2AWWSQTH in Manaca, Chile. So I had two entries, Neil, for CQ Worldwide CW. Neither score was worth mentioning. They both were pretty low. Uh, but one was a single uh, band entry uh, from Chile, and the other, I think, was a single band entry from North America. But it was kind of fun to uh, actually be able to do both contests. And I enjoy it because uh, operating from Chile because for my hotel room, it's a nice way to spend part of the evening. Uh, and you can work uh, Europe uh, across North America into Asia as the sun sets. And I can follow the Terminator line from the central central Russia and Eastern Europe and then follow it essentially north and west as it crosses into uh, uh, northern Europe and then uh, northwestern Europe and then it crosses into North America. The U.S. stations become quite powerful. This is all without a beam. It's all with a vertical dipole, which is a very efficient antenna weighs about five, five or eight pounds that I take in a golf club case and uh, a little radio running 100 watts of power. And uh, I've probably worked, uh, I want to say, 70 countries now, confirmed in logbook from Chile, just doing it in the evenings and occasionally on weekends. And uh, in fact, I've now left my antenna that, that I took down. I've left that in Chile and I just bring a radio with me uh, when I want to operate. Excellent. And uh, it's just a lot of fun, and, and you can really do this if you have any work travel, whether it's in U.S. or Central America, the Caribbean, Hawaii, or Chile, uh, or South America, Europe. Do it. You know, it's so easy to get a license. And uh, I've also started contesting now in the Caribbean with W0GJ, Glenn Johnson, and others from Minnesota. You know, we have pretty tough winters in the northern Midwest, so we need a little break from the minus 20-degree weather and the 20-plus 20, 20 inches of snow a month, it seems, so... I've enjoyed going to Jody's place in Turks and Caicos, and I was supposed to be there this weekend, but this year I couldn't make the contest there, so I'll be on from here. And uh, But some of my teammates are down uh, right now operating, and will be Victor Papa 5 Kilo in the contest. I've had a contest call of Victor Papa 5 Sierra, VP5S, S picked for Scott, and I've also operated with Glenn, uh, Victor Papa 5 Hotel, VP5H. And with Glenn and, and Mark Indoor, a few years ago, we placed number one in the world as a multi-single station, high power from the Caribbean. And uh, it's really a hoot to place in the top one or two worldwide in a contest. Uh, you can't imagine the pileups and the runs from the Caribbean. 
we frequently have QSO rates of two to 400 QSOs an hour on sideband and 100 to 200 an hour on CW for the entire 48 hours of the contest, Neil. Oh, you can get wow. a lot of ham radio activity in 48 I'd hours. I'd say. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, you know? It's just a lot of fun. And yeah. I have a little shout-out to ICOM North America. Ray Novak in the past has been very nice about letting us use some loaner equipment at times. Uh, we were very uh, – we had the 7600 when it was relatively new and tested it in the contest. And Glenn and I subsequently bought 7600s uh, after using them in the contest. And uh, so we appreciate all the support that we've gotten and uh, from from some of the manufacturers to uh, – uh, help us with contesting activity and uh, to uh, to really take it to the next level. Yeah, that always helps uh, when you have uh, have good equipment and and some support uh, on those kinds of things. And so uh, we want to get a shout out there to Ray. I know uh, he does a lot with uh, youth and the Boy Scouts and a lot uh, there for ICOM. So uh, thanks for uh, for all you do, and as well as. Uh, some of the other uh, manufacturers that, that help out with those things. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, Contest University at, at Dayton. And, and we kind of got together. You, you um, gave us a, an inspiration to, to get involved there. And um, so tell us a, a little bit about um, what happened there with, with Contest University last year. Well, um, I have been going to Contest University for several years. I find it to be really one of the best things happening at the Dayton Hamvention. Tim Duffy and his team of premier contest operators put on a fabulous one-day workshop on how to be a better HF operator and contester. And uh, I learned more about propagation, antenna design, operating tactics, station management, ergonomics, uh, from the day I spend there than almost anything else I do. And you have been the mentor and advisor of probably the premier school radio club in North America. Uh, you haven't mentioned that on the show, but I will. Your club has won school club roundup more than any other club that I've ever heard of. Your your students have written QST articles about DXing. They've led DXing activities. Uh, and uh, so last year I wrote and said, Neil, why don't you bring a few students to Contest University and let's see if we can't find some scholarships so that it doesn't cost them anything to come. Because like you, if we don't see more younger people in the hobby, this hobby is going to die off. You and I are relatively young uh, among active DXers and contesters, Neil. The average age is, unfortunately, for the DX community in the 60s and, or mid to late 60s. And so we need to revitalize the hobby a bit. And uh, what better place to start than with contesting, which fits the, I think, the interest, the gaming interest and the uh, social interest of today's uh, young people, teenagers and college students. And you brought along several high school students to Contest University, and they were the talk of the Contest U, the hit of the Contest U, and they really sparked a lot of enthusiasm. I was really amazed to see the uh, adults like us who were just excited to see some young people there. And, of course, we need to thank Tim Duffy and the Northern California DX Foundation for providing the scholarships to allow you and the team to come. Absolutely. But I, sort of, I said, you know, why don't you guys go home and see if you can't get DXCC with either the CQ Worldwide Ready or Sideband Contest? Because I think you can do it after Contest University. 
And I'll be darned, I remember I was operating at VP5S in the Caribbean for CQ Worldwide Sideband. And K9SOU works me on on several bands. And the next thing I know, your club has achieved DXCC in one weekend. And I I know before the show you were telling me that you worked uh, Shanghai, China. So you got a lot. You, you you covered a lot of distance from uh, Bloomington, Indiana, uh, off a hundred watts and uh, a little radio and a two element Yagi. Uh, you guys did a phenomenal job, and uh, your students uh, who did that, Ryan and his team teammates, uh, are to be commended for uh, all that they did to uh, achieve uh, DXCC in a weekend. Uh, for some of us, it takes decades to get DXCC, and your club did it in what about twenty four hours. Yeah, yeah, not quite. Uh, I think it was ended up being uh, 17 hours uh, that we uh, we got that. So uh, we got so, our logs back yesterday uh, and and had three mistakes. So uh, I was very very wow. proud of those kids uh, for especially Ryan. Ryan did almost all of it by himself. Um, really proud of them for doing that. And that was right after school club roundup. We had. A one-minute break between School Club Roundup all week and and CQ Worldwide, and so that oh. was a long week, but uh, very productive. That that is that is amazing, and so that should be an inspiration to almost anybody listening to the show, either now or on on replay. That contesting is a great way to get your DXCC totals up and to uh, really finish off the countries you need for the uh, basic AWRL awards. Absolutely, and we're trying to finish up all of our confirmations. We hit eighty-five today, so we're we're just about there on the on the confirmations. Well, um, Scott had talked to his uh, his agent earlier about extending the time here, and, and his agent cleared him for forty-five minutes. It looks like we're going to use all of it, <laughs> so. Uh, we're going to take one last break and then we'll come back and then, uh, we are going to try the, the, the part that I'm scared about. Uh, we're going to take live calls. Uh, we're going to see how this works. Uh, we haven't overloaded the system yet, so I'm a little nervous about what's going to happen if it overloads, but, um, here's how you can join us, how you can talk and, uh, you can be doing this uh, while we hear from one of our sponsors. Um, you can Skype us. That's the best way to connect with us is Skype. Uh, it sounds a whole lot better, um, and that's how Scott's joining us this evening. Uh, the, the name is Ham Talk Live, just Ham Talk Live, all one word, on Skype. Uh, we also have a phone number, and that is 812, the area code 812-NET-HAM-1. One again, it's eight one two net ham one. If you don't have uh, all the letters in front of you, that's eight one two six three eight four two six one, and uh, that will call into uh, Skype as well and uh, get you on the show. So if you have a question for me or for Scott, uh, get ready to give us a call on one of those two things at Ham Talk Live. We'll return following this commercial message from the Ham Station. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by the Ham Station. For 35 years, the Ham Station has brought new and used radios, antennas, accessories, and equipment to the amateur radio community. Give Jeff or Dan a call. 
at 1-800-729-4373 or order online at hamstation.com. Hamstation carries all the major brands like Icom, Yaesu, and Kenwood. Shop from a wide selection of radio scanners, MFGA accessories, Heil Sound products, Mirage and Ameritron amplifiers, Cushcraft antennas, and more. Easy online shopping and fast shipping are waiting for you at hamstation.com or call 1-800-729-4373. The Ham Station, proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. And welcome back to Ham Talk Live. I'd like to thank the Ham Station for sponsoring the show tonight so we can bring you Ham Talk Live. Be sure to listen every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here on HamTalkLive.com. And if you miss the show, uh, we do have a podcast that will be available shortly after. Uh, That's on the website, HamTalkLive.com. It's also on Spreaker, which is our um, hosting uh, service. Uh, and then we'll also have it uploaded to iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and it's available on TuneIn. So all kinds of ways to uh, get a hold of the show. Um, so if you have a chance uh, and you can't catch us live, you can catch us on one of those. I'm Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, joined this evening by Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD. So right now we're going to give this live call thing a try. Uh, We're going to give you, the listener, a chance to participate in the show. If you have a question for Scott or myself, you can join us on Skype by connecting to Ham Talk Live, or you can join us by telephone. Again, that number is 812-NET-HAM-1, 812-NET-HAM-1, or Skype at Ham Talk Live. Keep in mind, this is live radio, so... If something happens and I can't stop it, (laughs) uh, we're just going to have to live with it. So we'll do the best we can to keep things family-friendly and appropriate, but uh, we we can't guarantee what people will do because it's live. Uh, So this is kind of the scary part, and hopefully we won't get any uh, intentional QRM here. Uh, But anyway, give us a call right now. If the line is busy, uh, try again um, whenever our... Uh, current caller is finished, and we'll see if we can get you on here. So we'll see if we have any any callers here. Let me open this up and see if we have anybody. Um, being the first show, don't know how many people are uh, are aware of it and and ready to call in. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm not seeing anything just yet, but we'll. Keep an eye on uh, Skype here again. It's eight one two net ham one, or ham talk live on Skype. Um, so uh, I've been impressed at the uh, social media promotion of the show, Neil. I've probably gotten a dozen emails about uh, people promoting the show on Twitter. So congratulations on on all of that. Yeah, the the social media promotion's gone uh, really well, and. Uh, Hopefully, uh, as as people uh, kind of catch on, um, we'll uh, we'll have some more. And we do have a call right now, so we'll go ahead and give this a try. Um, hello, you're live on the air with Ham Talk Live. 
Hi, Neil. It's Matt, W1MST. I had a great time listening to your show tonight and having a real good time uh, hearing Scott's story. Oh, thank you very much. You have a question for us? I sure do. Uh, Tell me a little bit about um, how you've been able to pique the interest of the high school kids that that you're serving at at Bloomington. Well, uh, it's a little easier for me because I see those kids every day, and so I can work that into the uh, chemistry curriculum. And so I demonstrate with a handheld what they can listen to. And so they can listen to drive-up windows. They can listen to, uh, you know, all kinds of things. Uh, and, and that seems to, to really spark their interest. And, and one of the things that I've always said, and, and Scott can, has done some of this too, he can chime in here, uh, is that you really want to get them involved in radio not necessarily study for the license test at the beginning. You want to get them into radio and get them interested in it first, and then they want to do it by themselves. Scott, you, you're the trustee there at uh, an academy there uh, in uh, Minnesota. Is, is that your take on things? I agree, Neil. I think that's a, a great way to do it. Uh, the last thing I think high school students or middle school students want to do is pass an exam, right? Study for an exam. But if you give them a way to have some fun with the hobby, they really do. Uh, and uh, I've got a situation now in, among a, some seventh graders. I have my youngest child is a seventh grader where one of uh, the classmates wants to learn Morse code. And I think now I have three young men interested in perhaps learning Morse code, not necessarily getting a radio license, but they're intrigued by Morse code. So, I'm going to spend the summer session uh, with them uh, doing it's, some... It's a way stuff. to pass secret messages. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that may be a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, it's a way to, to, to do that. So, um, Matt, does that answer your question? It sure does. Thanks, guys, so much, and really enjoying the show. Look forward to uh, to many more to come. All Thank right. you, Matt. Thank- nice to hear you on. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for calling in. Uh, I've got about two minutes here, so we've got to wrap things up, but we'll see if we've got one more, if we have another uh, another call. Um, we'll see if we, we get anyone else. Um, and if not, we will finish things up because we are just about out of time here. Uh, they give us 45 minutes on the... Spreaker here, and uh, we're it's just passed about by out quickly, of that. Neil. The forty-five minutes sure went by quickly. Uh, rather than glad you upgraded it from thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah, thirty minutes would have would have been way too short. So, well, I don't see any other calls coming in, so uh, maybe we better go ahead and and finish this up. But uh, Scott, I want to thank you for for coming on and being the first uh, one and. And given a test, and the call went well, so that, that was good. We didn't have any technical issues. Well, Neil, I think you have a great series of programs lined up. I'm looking forward to hearing Don Wilbanks and Gary KN4AQ, who's got a great podcast, and also Craig Thompson, K9CT. And I think also you have Bob Alton, K4UEE, coming up. So I do. Uh, 
I'm I'm just honored to be among a group of hams that you're interviewing who really have accomplished a lot. I'm not sure why you asked me to be on the show, but I'm delighted to be on it with you. And uh, again, my congratulations to you, the Bloomington South Amateur Radio School Club, for all it has done. And I really hope to see you and a number of uh, your school uh, uh, members at uh, DX, uh, I'm sorry, Contest University and the Dayton Hamvention in May. Yep, we are looking forward to it, and uh, appreciate you being on here to to kind of put some uh, perspective on things with the show and and get us started on the right foot. So, thank you so much for doing that. That'll wrap up this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. Be sure to join us every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, next week, my guest will be Don Wilbanks, AE5DW, from Amateur Radio Newsline and Ham Nation, and uh, Don and I on the same show at the same time should be interesting if you know Don. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. So be sure to tune in. So for now, with Scott Wright, K0MD, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375, and may the good DX be yours. Don't, 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 don't,